servolution. Let's go to our text, all right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. How many is thankful for God's comfort? Anybody had some stuff go on in your life and needed God's comfort, and he comforts us in all of our afflictions? Why? Why did he do that? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with what? With the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God, that we give away what God has freely given to us. How many has God just really changed your life? God has showed up when you needed him. God has come in your time of affliction and brought peace. He's come in your sickness and brought healing and your lack and brought provision. He, he's been there for you. And God's simply saying, now with what I've done for you, I want you to go give somebody else. Go comfort someone else with the same blessing. How many's got that $20 handshake when you needed something to eat? Amen. Somebody just blessed you. And God's saying, now that I've blessed you, go shake somebody else's hand with something in it. And, and just being that blessing, giving what you've already received is what Servolution is about. And so Servolution is a complete and radical change of a person's life caused by these simple acts of kindness for the glory of God. It's God's kingdom, his heaven now coming down upon earth. And how many knows it's getting darker out there? I mean, society's getting darker. The hope in people's getting less. And, and there's so much hostility and, and everything out in society today. And wow, what an opportunity for God-filled people to shine. That we can shine. The darker it gets, the easier it is for the light to be seen. And we can shine out there just giving the world the hope that God's already given us. And that's what Servolution is all about. So I want to talk to you today about Servolution as birth out of a changed life. And I want to talk to you about making the change. Making the change. Last Sunday we talked about the, the, what makes Servolution. What, what is it all about? And we shared with you it's about a basin and a towel. That God's not interested in your title. He wants to know do you have a towel. Are you willing to wash someone else's feet? Are you willing to take that position in life to serve someone else? And, and today I want to talk to you about making the change because we've got to understand that servolution is birthed out of a changed life. How many is glad God has changed and is changing your life? Come on, how many is experiencing that? Amen? And so when we understand that, serving others comes out of our life being changed because how many will agree with me that until Jesus gets involved and life gets changed, it's all about me. Amen. I mean, it's all about me. How I can make more money, how I can become healthier, how I can get more big toys, how I can be happier. It's about me, man, until Jesus comes in and starts changing some things, and now it's about me and you. Amen. Because how many knows if you don't take care of you, you have nothing to give somebody else. So God's not saying don't take care of you. Don't, don't. It's okay to have some toys. It's okay to enjoy life. He wants you to. But in the process of that, start identifying in the midst of the crowd. Have that peripheral compassion we talked about last Sunday. And in the midst of the crowd, identifying the needs that are out there. And out of your blessing, out of your fun, out of your abundance, out of your peace and joy, start impacting other people's lives with the hope of Jesus. Amen? And so we're talking about this change. So how do I change my life? How can I actually change? And you see, many love God but yet there's still this area in their life. Someone stopped me after service today, and, and they said, man, this message just nailed me because I've been wanting to serve here at Servolution. I've been coming here a while, but there's this one area in my life that I just hadn't totally conquered yet, and I don't feel like I qualify to serve. I said, oh, you join the team, bro. You're just like the rest of us. 
Because your issue may be different than mine, but we're all working on issues. Come on, am I right? And, and no, we're not condoning a lifestyle of sin, but if you're working on getting free from it, then serve while you're working. And, and let God, that's where you're going to find your freedom. I'm going to explain that today. That we love God with all their heart, but there's, it seems like there's always this one or two areas in our life that there's a constant struggle with. Am I right? Maybe God knew what he was doing when he wrote the Bible. Just maybe he knew what he was doing because he tells us about that where he said, what, lay aside every sin, singular, and the weights, plural, that so easily beset us. In the book of Hebrews, lay aside every sin, what is that, singular, and all the weights, plural, that so easily beset, and that word beset in the Greek there means ambush. That every time it shows up, it like it ambushes you and takes you back to zero. And how many would agree today that I love God with all my heart and I'm doing pretty good except this one area. I just hadn't got it yet. You know, it could be sexual stuff, it could be financial stuff, it could be anger stuff, it could be bitterness, it could be unforgiveness. It could be so many areas, but just this one area I hadn't got yet. Maybe God knew what he was talking about when he wrote that, all right? And, and we've got to come and start allowing God to change these because as long as you focus is on you, you're not serving others. And if you're not serving others, you're never going to get free yourself. Yeah. And when we begin to understand that, it becomes real. Romans 7, 15, I love this scripture. It says, I don't understand myself at all. I mean, agree with Paul. I just don't get me. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. And Paul's telling us, I, I had the same battle that you had, that there's this war going on. And, and I want to talk to you today about a process of identifying the attack of the enemy on your life and then coming out and finding victory in it. And I try to use processes a lot here in different topics because everything in life is a process. It's a journey. You don't go from A to Z in one day. You get there on a journey. And so I use this style often because I want you to find where are you in the process? Where am I in the process of change? And so there's steps to progression that the enemy uses when things don't change in your life, he's holding you captive. And how many would join me this morning so I can get started here and say there's some areas in my life that need change? Okay, the rest of you, I'm going to preach next Sunday on lying and dishonesty, okay? So I'm going to ask that one more time. How many here have some areas in their life I could use some change in? Okay, I'll, okay, I won't preach that next Sunday then. Okay, all right? We all have areas, don't we? If the Apostle Paul's dealing with that, how many knows we got some issues we need some help with? All right, so here's the process that the enemy uses to prevent you from finding God's change in your life. And so number one is when we refuse to change, your crisis or your struggle, it becomes a part of your identity. When you hold on to an area of struggle in your life, you begin to identify yourself with that. That begins to tell you who you are by your struggle. And how many of you ever done this with someone? Don't raise your hand, but you go, yeah, I know, I know so-and-so. He's that alcoholic. Or I know so-and-so. He's that homeless. And they were identified by their crisis. Yeah. And oftentimes, we allow the enemy 
to identify and other people, and when you start listening to that long enough, you will be guilty of identifying yourself by your crisis and your struggle, not who you are in Christ. And you got to be very, very careful. You see, you're taking on the responsibility of your crisis, the personality of your crisis, of your struggle. You have accepted the fact that this is just the way it's going to be. This is who I am. I've prayed, I've done everything I know to do, and nothing's changing. And if it's not changing over a period of time, it may not change immediately, but if there's processes not taking place to bring change in your life, then you've identified yourself by that crisis, and there will be no change until you disconnect from it. That's good teaching. That's worth coming right there if you don't get the rest of the message, all right? And so this is Satan's number one plan for you to take on... Listen to me, Satan's number one plan is for you to take on the very nature of the thing that you're trying to be delivered from. You take on the identity of it. That nothing's going to change. I was abused as a child and and I'm worthless and nothing's going to change. You took on the identity of a crisis that we grew up poor or we just had a crisis and lost our family, lost our home, lost my car. I'm broke, I'm homeless. You take on the identity of that and you'll stay that. I'm sick. The doctors told me it's genetic. It's in my family. You just took on the identity of a crisis that you don't have to take on. Come on, you're with me. Nod, just nod. All right. And so what what we got, and and I believe there's programs out there, uh, 12-step programs. And and by the way, in July, we're going to be starting a brand new ministry here called The Most Excellent Way. And we're very excited about it around the 19th, I think it is 17th, something like that, 17th of July. We're going to be starting out. Already got a lot of people interested. John and Mary over there is going to facilitate it and Frank. And we're very excited. And so it's about anyone that has any kind of dependency is going to be dealt with on a Christian basis and a biblical basis to help set you free and accountability. But I've, I've been involved in many of those programs, and, and they're great until they get to that one part where it says that you've got to stand up every week and go, I was an alcoholic, I am an alcoholic, and always be an alcoholic. And I go, not. All things have passed away. All things have become new. I am. I am, I am a brand new creature in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And you've got to stop identifying yourself with the crisis and start seeing where you're going away from it. Come on, that's good right there. Come on now. All right. And so 2 Corinthians, you've heard me use one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. When someone becomes a Christian, any Christians in here? He or she becomes a brand new person on the inside. He or she is not the same person anymore. A brand new life has begun. The enemy wants to keep you thinking the old so you'll never break free and become the new. So there's number one. Number two is when you come to that point that you identify with your crisis, you'll start feeling increasingly hopeless. You start feeling hopeless. You see, you give up. You've resigned to the fact that nothing's going to change. You've prayed, you've done everything you know, and it doesn't seem to be working. Some of you even get mad at me because you preached it, I did it, and nothing happened. And then I go get mad at God and say, I preached it, they did it, and nothing happened. And then he says, weeping may endure for a night, but your joy, it will come in your morning. You've got to hang on sometimes. You can't get hopeless.
because you don't see right now what you asked God for yesterday because tomorrow hadn't got here yet. You can't lose hope. The driest times and seasons of your life, but the enemy wants to know if you begin to identify with your crisis, you become hopeless in it because you've taken on the very crisis you're asking God to set you free from. Is this helping you? You with me? All right. And so you become hopeless. When you become hopeless, number three, you become defensive. You start defending your crisis. You start defending your failure. You start defending your attitude. You become defensive. Well, I have a right, Pastor. I have a right. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be mad at God. I have a right to have an attitude. I have a right to say what I want to say. I have a right to spill my slander and attack on others. I have a right. You refuse to listen to godly counsel. You'll find yourself living on a defensive end. And when you start defending the arena that you're asking God to set you free from, you become a slave to it. Whatever you defend, you become. Whatever you defend, you become. And that leads us into the next point. You become a slave to it. You become, it owns you. The very thing that you're asking God to set you free from, now you have voluntarily become a slave to. It owns you. Once you become defensive, you become a slave to that thing that's destroying your life. The Bible repeatedly refers to the topic of being a slave to sin. In Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, the Bible is telling us about a battle going on between our spirit and our flesh and our flesh and our spirit. And the enemy wants your carnal man attacking and breaking down your spirit man. He wants you to be submissive to your flesh. How many, and, and I'm guilty too, man. I mean, you, you tell yourself, I am not falling to that trap again. I am not doing that again. I am not going there again, did. Did, guilty. What is it? When you start defending something, you have no artillery to, def- to defeat it. You become a slave to it. And you've got to come and understand today, look at the process of the enemy. And when you become a slave... You lose your life to it. You lose your life to it. It will now suck you up and take away your life. Your potential in life is now gone. You had dreams, but now feel you've messed up to the point that you've lost hope of any dream taking place in your life. But God has this unique ability of taking the mistakes and failures of our life and turning them around for our good. You see, no no matter how many extra chapters you've had to write in your book, no matter how many extra chapters you've had to pen and write down that you added to your book because of mistakes and failures, failures and disappointments and areas of your life that that weren't supposed to be, but they're there. How many besides me has got some chapters that didn't have to be there, but they're in the book and they're there and, and we wish they weren't, but they're there, but they're required to make the book complete. But here's the key. Jesus has a way of taking dysfunction and making it functional He has a way of taking all of our dark areas and making them bright. And it doesn't matter the number of extra chapters. Just make sure you have that final chapter written. And that final chapter defines the book in the end. Doesn't matter what's here. Let's make sure this final chapter is here that we don't allow the enemy to win and take away the reason that we matter. And so how do I make this change, Pastor? I got that. Okay. And how many understands the process? 
Okay, that, that the enemy just wants to get you into that, man. I'm, I'm defending, and, and, and now I'm coming to this place that I'm a slave, and, and all of these areas that the enemy wants to do to keep you from changing. He doesn't want you to change because servolution, serving people, comes out of a changed life. Amen. That if my life doesn't change, I don't serve. I'm looking to be served. My crisis is somebody else's fault, so somebody else needs to fix it. But when I start serving, I'm not looking at my crisis. I'm looking to meet the need of someone else's crisis. How many found out, man, when you do something for somebody else, it does you more good than it did them? Am I not right? I know you've heard that, but... I mean, I've gone to pray for people in the hospital and go, I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to go encourage them. And I get there, and they're so more encouraged than I am. It's sick. You know what I mean? I'm like, we need to swap places. Give me that bed. You know? <laughs> I mean, they say, oh, Pastor, how you doing? Let me pray for you, Pastor. I, you've been on my heart and my mind. I'm like, yeah, really? You're the one sick, and you're praying for me. Pretty cool. All right. Okay? But serving people really is more for you and for me than it is for the people that we serve. So how do I change? Romans 6, 12 through 14. Let's go quick. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, say this with me. I want you to say it out loud. Instead, give yourself completely to God. Say it with me one time. Instead, give yourself completely to God. Now, you expect me to say that as a pastor, but here's the key to change in life is give yourself completely, not partially, give yourself completely to God. Go all in or don't go at all. Because Jesus said, I can't do anything with a lukewarm heart. That it's better for you to be cold or hot than to be lukewarm. i got to spew you out of my mouth. And too many in the church today are trying to serve God in a lukewarm mindset. And God's saying, I can't bring change in your life until you go all in. But if you give me yourself to me completely, I can do some amazing things in your life. And we give ourselves completely to God. This is the secret to change. Your marriage, your finances, your health, your ministry is not going to change until you go all in. Until you give it completely to God. And when you go all in, the Bible says sin is no longer your master. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's amazing grace. Now I belong to him. Change is coming to my life. And I promise you today, I promise you that if you'll go all in today, and can I challenge you today here at Transformation Church? Just try it for 90 days. They say you do anything for 90 days, it'll change and revolutionize your life. Do it for 90 days, man. Just do an all-in for Jesus for 90 days. Can we, can we let that be our SummerSlam challenge? Just 90 days of all-in for Jesus. I'm going to try and see if it works. Amen. Just all-in for 90 days. And I promise you, if you do that, you will see radical change take place in the areas of your life that you've been in a battle with. All right? And so how do we change? How do I go all-in? Number one, you got to get rid of the excuses. Well, we hate that, don't we? Because, man, we are good at excuses, aren't we? We're great at intentions. We're excellent with good intentions. We're poor at fulfilling them. And then we're great again at excuses on why we didn't. If you're going to go all in for Jesus, you've got to stop the excuses. 
you know, a year ago, I was trying to get into the gym. I was trying to get back in shape, trying to eat healthy, do all the right things. And I had good intentions. I saw myself in the gym every evening. I could see me at the machine. I did. I was like, I'm going to be there tomorrow. I could visualize it. I saw myself picking them things up, you know, and throwing them in the backyard. I saw the ropes on my fence. I saw, I was, I had it all in my head, man. I had it down, man. I'm going to be chiseled. That ain't happening at 56. But I saw it. It looked cool. 56, you ain't thinking chiseled. You thinking getting up in the morning. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's a good day. I got up and nothing hurts. That's a good day. Woo! <laughs> then I go to the gym and I wake up and everything hurts. And I'm like, I ain't doing that no more. No, last year it was good intentions, but this year it's every day. I'm doing it every day. And I feel good doing it every day. My wife's always done it every day. She's out running, walking. I cheer her on. I was like, you go, baby. You're looking good. You hot. You are hot. You are a hot 55-year-old woman. You keep running, baby. You're looking good. I'm buying her new tennis shoes, running shoes, shorts. You're looking good, baby. Keep on running. I'm in the recliner cheering her on. Well, I'm dying with all my excuses. So I had to get my act together and get up. You got to quit your excuses if you're going to see change in your life because good intentions don't change anybody. Good intentions aren't going to change you. You got to dedicate yourself to something. I want to challenge everyone in here is to put down what's called a rule of five. Rule of five, our staff. I'm fixing to put it all on the board, on the board and they're going to have to answer to it every week to me. Accountability that you have to put down the five rule of five. What five things do you have to do in your life every day to see the change you're looking for and reach the full potential of your life and your dreams? What are the five things that have to happen every day? And then you schedule the rest of your day around those five things. I've got to have my time with God every morning. Every morning, my wife and I, this is my rule of five. Every morning, my second rule of five is that I spend 30 to 45 minutes of quality time with my wife just drinking coffee and talking before I get in my day. My third thing is, is that I have to spend a certain amount of time each day writing. Next thing is, I'm going to the gym, working out, or working out somewhere. don't have to be the gym. And my fifth thing is, I'm going to do something I like to do for fun. I'm going to have me some me time. And, and those five things I'm going to do every day if nothing else gets done. Because that's what I have to do to be what I need to be and get where I need to go. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. And I challenge you, get your rule of five down and start doing it without excuses. It'll change your world. Amen. It'll change your world. All right? And so get your rule of five down. Number two is you got to quit making excuses. Number two is you got to make the break. You got to make the break. You got to change some things. You got to finally do it. Come on, is this helping y'all? You with me? Amen. Make the break. In order to do something new, you've got to break away from the old. If God's calling you to a new life, you're really wanting to change. There's always something practical that God's going to require you to break away from. Some of you need to break away from too much TV, some of you need to break away from too many video games. They're not wrong, but too much of anything's wrong. And some of you, that's your life. And those are hours that could have been spent in productive things. 
that could be changing your world and serving and changing others. Some of you need to break away from some negative people. Yeah. Woo, preach preacher. Some of you need to break away from people. Listen, there's people that I have as friends, but I don't spend time with them because I know after about 30 minutes, I'm done, man. They've done got my world so going south, it's sick. I give them five minutes on the phone, we're done. Because I don't owe you my joy. I don't owe you the peace that I work so hard to get. Now, I'll pray for you from a distance, and I'll love you for a distance. You get five minutes on the phone, but you ain't getting two hours of my time to ruin my day. Well, I thought you was a Christian and a pastor. I am a smart one. Been doing this a while. Doesn't change my love for people. I just know certain places and people and things that you got to break away from if you're going to reach the dreams of your life. And you got to come and make some breaks. There's some relationships that some of you need to break away from. You need to make a final break, end it. There's some areas, places that some of you go, you know when you get there, you're going to mess up. You got to break away and don't keep going there. Say no to it. Drop by and wave and say, we're done. Some of you know if you stop at a certain place going home from work, you're going to be smashed when you get home from work. Break away and don't stop. Some of you know if you stop at Johnny's house, you're going to smoke some weed. I'm just, I know the church I pastor. I'm talking to some of y'all. That's the kind of church I want to pastor. I don't want a church filled with a bunch of religious folks think they don't need to change in their life. I'm glad that I got some folks in here smoking some weed. We're going to help you quit. I'm glad I got some folks in here doing some drinking. We're going to help you get free too. I'm glad I got a church full of some fornicators going on in here. That means we're reaching the right people. I'm not looking for you to be perfect because I'm not. If you don't believe me, ask her. She'll tell you the whole list. <laughs> don't ask her. You won't come next Sunday if she tells you all of them. I ain't listening to him no more. You done got me screaming and preaching up here. I'm just trying to help you. You've got to break away. If you're going to see change, if you're going to see change, you've got to break away from some things. Are you all with me? Yes. Then number three, you got to fill the void. You got to stop making excuses. Then you got to make the break. And then you got to fill the void. Because God, if He's going to take you out of something, if you're going to break away from something, you got to replace it with something constructive. If you break away from something destructive, then you've got to fill it with something constructive. And start doing something that's replacing that negative area in your life. How many besides me grew up in church all your life? All your life grew up in church. Oh, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't go there. Going to hell. Going to hell. Going to hell. Oh, you shooting pool. You going to hell. You playing cards. Oh, you really, they're going to the second level of hell on cards. I mean, just, you going to hell. 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 Every Sunday, we were going to hell. And the church was great on telling me I was going to hell, but they never stopped to tell me how to get to heaven. And, and you got to come and realize that being a Christian is not this dry, weary life that I'm struggling, just miserable until Jesus rescues me. Man, I'm having more fun being a Christian than I ever dreamed about being out in the world. you got to come and realize that God wants you to fill the void, fill the void. God is not to sterilize you to boredom. He didn't come to just sterilize you to boredom that I'm saved, but boy, is life boring. 
No, man, he saves you so you can enjoy the greatest life you could have ever experienced on this earth and then go bless somebody through it. And when you're enjoying your life, you're going to start serving other people in theirs. But when you're unhappy with yours, you have nothing to give to somebody else's. You got to start filling the void. I shared this a while back, but I'll share it again. It's like the old preacher where he, he was preaching. He said, if I have all the whiskey in the world, I'd go pour it all in the river. If I had all the beer in the world, why, I'd go pour it all down in the river. If I had all the wine in the world, I'd go pour it down in the river. Right when he got through preaching, the song director got up and said, would everybody turn to page 452 and let's all sing, let's all go down to the river. (laughs) That's where all the whiskey, beer, and wine's at. But if you're going to change, come on, y'all with me? Y'all with me? Trying to talk to some of you because I've been there, folks. If you're going to change, you got to make a break. you got to make a break. And if you're going to make a break, you got to be ready to fill it with something else or you're going to go back to what you broke away from. That's why finding your purpose, that's why we have grow tracks, serving, dream team, finding your purpose in life and connecting and doing something different satisfies that void. And so how do I fill the void in my life? How do I do that, Pastor? Here's how we do it. Get your notes out. Number one, just give your life to Jesus. Give your life really, really, really to Jesus. Can I just say something? I'm going to give you time to write that down. Then I want you to look at me because I'm going to just say something that's really on my heart. It don't take that long to write Jesus now. Okay? Oh, it ain't on? What happened? Huh? Huh? I don't know. There it is right there. Write that down. I don't know what happened. Just write that down. Yeah, y'all paying attention. I don't know what happened. We'll fix it. It's my fault. I can promise you. Because they just do what I send them. But I was enjoying the beach of St. Simon's Island, so there ain't no telling what y'all got. All right? I was suffering for Jesus last week. All right. Number one, how do I make the change? How do I make the break? Give your life to Jesus. Now, now look at me for a second. We're a grace church. We preach grace here. We're a grace church that we don't expect people to come in and everything to happen in a moment, though much will happen in a moment. We're, 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 let's walk it out together. Let's be a grace church. The downfall sometimes, that could be misunderstood, that I can just live like I want to live and be a Christian. And that's what the enemy wants to get you to do. And I want to challenge some of you today. Give your life completely to Jesus. Give your life completely, totally to Jesus. Let him have every area of your life. Let him change. Don't give him part. Give him all. Give Jesus all, every aspect of your life. Because what you're doing is you're nullifying the blessing of God that he wants to pour upon you when he gives partial. Partial surrender brings partial blessing. Total surrender brings total blessing. Give your life completely to Jesus. I mean, when we we got the basketball playoffs tonight, LeBron's going to be going against Curry. People are screaming and yelling everywhere. There's going to be ball. I mean, there's going to be food. There's going to be stuff. There's people, millions of people gathering around a TV tonight. It's all about a championship. 
He's one of them. Others like me don't care because hunting season isn't here yet. We really don't care about a piece of pig going up and down a basketball court. and uh, I don't care. But just wait till November gets here and my bow's in my hand. Now we care, all right? But what am I saying? We've got to come. There's a lot of energy when we're passionate about something. People know it. And they should know we're passionate about Jesus because we've given him everything. Everything. Are you with me? Ephesians, and I've got to wrap up here, 5.18. He's speaking to us, and he tells us, he says, do, do not get drunk on wine. No, that's the wrong one. That's Ecclesiastes. I'm, I'm skipping scripture, so I'm messing everybody up today. All right, just stay with me. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the, the channel that just filtrates your life. Don't let the world be your satisfaction. Let the presence of Jesus be that that just wakes you up every morning and satisfies you every day. Amen? Are you with me? So number one is give your life completely to Jesus. Number two is get in a small group. Boy, you hear that a lot around here, right? But if you're going to make the break... And if you're going to fulfill the void in your life, you've got to get other people in your world. You've got to replace some negative people with some positive ones. You've got to get in a small group. Avoid, a, uh, uh, avoid being isolated. Avoid being around negative people. Go to the website. Go out to the tent. We've got around 16 small groups for our summer only, six weeks. For the next six weeks, sign up in a small group. Start your own small group next fall. We'll train you how to do it. But you've got to connect with a small group of people and build accountability and relationships if you're going to find the deliverance and the purpose of God in your life. Everybody look at me for a second. Salvation can take place with you and Jesus alone. Deliverance does not. He set it up that way. It's in the Bible. Deliverance requires other people in your life. Accountability people. Now, how many did Jesus set some things out of your life? He freed you from some stuff immediately when you got saved. Come on, I mean, just bam, gone. But how many were identified today and be honest and go, there's still some stuff today that I'm not free from, and I need some other people in my life to become accountable to that's helping me in my delivering process. And that's what we're saying. And small groups open the door for that. And so I want to encourage you to connect with a small group and let these small groups become those relationships that you're looking for. And we've got men small groups, women small groups, youth small groups. They're all over. They're all over the place. Every Wednesday night in the back building in two homes, and we're getting ready to open one more, maybe two more homes in the area on Wednesday night. Life groups, small groups where they're studying the lesson that I teach on Sunday. There's open dialogue on it every Wednesday night where you can discuss it and ask questions on it in our life groups. And so I encourage you, get in a Wednesday night life group and dialogue where you can ask questions and and go back and forth over the message and, and dig it out even deeper. Find a small group, become accountable to somebody, and that accountability is going to bring the breakaway and the breakthrough that you're looking for in your life. Come on, that's good. That's good stuff. Ecclesiastes, here it is now. I've got them so messed up. 
I'm sorry, guys. Do we have it? There we go. There was a man all along. He had neither son or brother. There was no end to his toil. Say it with me. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. Come on, we've got to have that person in our life. I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you are. You've got to have that accountability person in your life, that friend, that brother that you build that relationship with, that we become stronger together. And when I'm weak, I've got a partner that's going to help pick me up and make me strong. If you don't have that person in your life, you're going to go back to those old places and people that you broke away from. Come on, you with me? All right. Then next, you've got to find your purpose in life. You've got to find your purpose in life. Give Jesus everything. Connect with a small group of people. And then you've got to find your purpose in life. Wasn't that the conference the women just had talking about purpose and destiny? We talk about that all the time here. The main thing that I've learned in pastoring for 35 years, and by the way, August, it'll be 35 years of full-time doing this. I'm having a blast. I can't be that old. Can't be. But one thing I've learned in 35 years of pastoring is you can't solve everybody's problem. Because I went on a heart monitor for 24 hours a day trying. Because you can't. You can't solve everybody's problem. So stop trying. Be that rescue diver that dives in the water as we showed the video last week and swim as hard as you can, as fast as you can, as long as you can. When you've done all you can, you've got to get back in the boat. Because if you drown, you can't save nobody else either. And you've got to come and realize that you've got to find your purpose in life. That you realize that, that I can't solve everybody's problems, but I can be a solution to the problems that are around me that I can solve. You've got to begin to identify. Remember last Sunday, you've got to have that ability to have that, that peripheral compassion vision that I identify the needs that God has graced me to meet and I leave the rest alone. He's got somebody else to meet those so you don't have to feel guilty. But I need to start meeting the needs that God's graced me to meet. Serving the people God's graced me to serve. Some of you get wore out because everybody that runs to you, you try to go yes, yes, yes. And I've been guilty of that and some of you, you've got to start identifying what am I supposed to be doing and what has God graced me to do? And find your purpose in life. And identify with your purpose and start walking it out and fulfilling it. In Acts chapter uh, 20 through 24, last scripture. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned, what? To me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And that's what God's called every one of us to do. And, and whether your task is greeting at a door or meeting in a parking lot, working with the children, serving in a nursery, whatever your task might be at church, and then you're going to leave here today and tomorrow through Friday you're going to be in a secular world and a workforce out there. And I just want to challenge you. Look, get that peripheral vision. Ask God to let you see the needs in the midst of the crowd. Look at the countenance of people on your job. Don't listen to their words. Look at their face. I tell couples when I counsel them, married couples that are in conflict, 
I don't listen to half of what they say. And I tell them when the counseling session is over, I'm looking at your face because your countenance tells me more than your words. Your expressions tell me more than what you're saying to me. And can I tell you, all you've got to do is walk on your job tomorrow while everybody else is going, Monday blues. You're coming in with a whistle and a, this is the day the Lord hath made. I rejoice, going to be glad. Boy, isn't this an awesome day and what a great place to work. He got the weed. He ain't free yet. Nah, he's really free. He's so free, he's happy in the environment that everybody else is depressed in because he's really free. And can I tell you, start looking for opportunities to impact people's life with the hope of Jesus. Look for those simple places to do acts of kindness that we can impact our world with the hope of Jesus by serving them. Several of our men did it this week. Got another new one of our men went and, and just sprayed a, a, a single mom's house with bugs and all that stuff. Just spray four bugs, not with bugs. Four <laughs> bugs. You got them now. Four bugs. And one, I know a yard got cut, helping somebody that couldn't cut their yard. And that's all I'm talking about. Just find things that need to be done. What would it do in your neighborhood if you picked a different yard through the summer or week and guys and just showed up at a neighbor's and cut their grass just to do it what, what would happen we just go to I do it every day that I catch it really raining and I'm not booked for somebody I run down to Walmart with a big umbrella and I just stand at the entrance and people will come out with no umbrella could I help you to your car oh I hadn't been told no yet and we get to their car, and they're like, and they almost all do it. Can I give you a couple dollars for, no, 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 but can I give you this? It just says something extra to let you know today that Jesus loves you. That's all we're here for. Just want to let you know that God's watching you. And can I tell you, that didn't cost me a dime. It just took a little bit of my time and just a tad of caring. And all you've got to do is start looking for ways to serve people. And when you serve people, you change their life. And you give them hope. You know what I give those people walking them to their car? You know all I'm giving them? Is Jesus hadn't forgot them. He's still watching out for you. And I tell them that. God must really be watching out for you. He had you an umbrella in the middle of the storm. Isn't God neat? God loves you today. God bless you. And I'm going to tell you, you can serve people when you want to. And so let's crank up Servolution in Pensacola. Let's let TC be out there everywhere. Let's make a difference by reaching people where they are with the love of Jesus that he's made real to us in Jesus' name. Y'all ready to do it? Ready to do it? Bow your heads with me, please. And if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today and, and, and I need to make some change in my life. I know that God's real and I know that he loves me and, and really in my heart, Pastor, I love him, but I have to admit today that right now just some things have happened and I find myself away from God. I, I find myself struggling. And I know there's some areas in my life that I need to get right with God today. And I just want to come home, man. I'm, I'm that one you talked about. I want to give it all to Jesus today. Pray for me, Pastor. If that's you, would you just slip a hand right where you sit? And I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. Hands going up all over this building. I need Jesus today. I'm ready to give him everything, everything. Not part of me, all of me. I want to give it all to him. How many Christians you're saved right now? You'd say, Pastor, I realize today that I've been giving God part, but I hadn't been giving him the whole. 
today, I just want to make a decision. I want him to know, I want, I want you to have everything, everything that I am today. I want to give to you. Pray for me. How many would join that? Say, that, that's me. That's me. Amen. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, over this congregation. God, I, I pray, Lord, that you help us, starting with me, the pastor. That God, we, we'll come today and realize that, God, you're not looking for us to be perfect, but you're looking for a heart that's perfect towards you, that when we do sin or fail, we recognize that we come to you. We acknowledge errors of our struggle. God, we're asking you to help us change. And I pray over every believer that's here right now that, God, there's an area of struggle in their life, and, God, they're, they're looking for that change. They want that total surrender to you, Father. I pray for them right now that you help them, Lord, in making that step. And if you raise your hand right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I just need Jesus in my life. I need that. I need to make that choice right now. Pray for me. Will you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You join me and let's congratulate these that have prayed today. God bless you.